This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. Hello. Uh, yes, yes, we're on the air. I hear air. you now. We're on the air. Can you hear us? Yes, we're okay. Good. <laughs> hey, Charlie, good morning. And good morning to you on this soggy Saturday. Yeah, well, I don't know who to complain to. I, I just complained to Marilyn's guests, but nobody there will accept any responsibility. I know, for even the David's, David Gaskin. I know. I fired him because I thought he was. Teflon guy. Yeah, oh, uh, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's maddening, isn't it? When here we are, May, what is it, 28th? Something like that, 7th, 8th. Heavenly days. Well, you know what? It has been very, very good for some aspects of gardening. Well, the lawns are going crazy, aren't uh, they? I was going to say, the lawns are growing like stink. And you yeah. know what? Last weekend, I, I arm twisted Elliot into helping me in the garden, oh, which is Elliot. always special. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he thinks so too, I'm oh, sure. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Uh, he's still like kind of a little bit walking gimpy after the last few days. <laughs> but, um, you know, we did. We moved a couple of fairly large trees and yeah. shrubs, and rain has been great. Perfect transplanting weather when it just to get that nice, steady moisture, so, rain going on. There are benefits. Exactly. There are benefits. can be very frustrated with the muck, but it's good for transplanting. Righty-ho. Uh, by the way, Frank Proctor here, the mm-hmm. sous chef of the garden, giving you the phone numbers to reach Charlie and ask a question or, hey, offer some advice yourself. That's cool. Uh, 416-360. 0740 in Toronto and then anywhere else in the province toll free 1-866-744-740 and I have the pleasure of helping you with some announcements Well we have today. so many announcements We've got a special guest coming up that, later on That's right, so of course stay with us because Glenn yeah. Martin will be joining us He's the Director of Marketing for Scots Canada But before we get to him we're going to listen to some of your questions and get your calendars out yeah. Lots going on Okay. I mentioned this last week so I'll just mention it briefly Next Saturday, the Humber Arboretum and the Etobicoke Master Gardeners are presenting a free community event. It's very special. Lots going on. It's all happening at the Humber Arboretum, which is at 205 Humber College Boulevard. There's lots of free parking. Go to www.humberarboretum.on.ca for more information. And I note the annual Through the Garden Gate Tour presented by the TBG is located in Swansea Village this year. The uh, tour offers visits into 22 spectacular private gardens and features great views of Grenadier Pond, the Humber River, Burl Pond, and High Park. And for the price of admission, everyone receives a comprehensive garden guide outlining the unique features of each garden, plus a Toronto Master Gardener will be located in each garden to answer questions and identify plant material. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Complimentary shuttle buses continuously drive the route, giving participants the option to hop on and hop off at each of the gardens. So Saturday, June 11th, Sunday, June 12th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can give this number a call for more info and ordering tickets, 416 416- 
397-1357. You can buy those tickets online mm-hmm. or buy tickets at Bill's Garden Center, Plant World, or Sheridan Nursery, Toronto, and North York locations. All right, so speaking of garden tours, because it is absolutely garden tour time of year, mm-hmm. the Cabbage Town Preservation Association is presenting the Hidden Gardens and Private Spaces Tour. This is all happening next Sunday, June the 5th. It's a garden of tour for gardeners. You start anywhere on a, it's a self-guided tour Start anywhere you want through the streets of the Cabbage Town Heritage Conservation District. The tour brings visitors along quiet back lanes or tree-lined streets to hidden alcoves of greenery. A map is included on the ticket. Gardeners are on site to answer questions about the creative use of small spaces, the challenges of urban wildlife, and choices of plants and other materials. Local merchants and restaurants will be offering special discounts for ticket holders. So again, next Sunday from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, tickets are available at many of the local merchants or check the web, Cabbage Town PA which means Cabbage Town Preservation Association, dot C-A. Okay. Hey, hey, and today, Newmarket Horticultural Society is hosting their annual plant sale. Doors open 1 p.m. sharp at the Ray 20 Complex. There will be a, a wide variety of healthy perennials, annuals, herbs, shrubs, and indoor plants. All plants are grown by society members and available at, hey, get this, bargain prices. So don't be disappointed. <laughs> Please come early for the best selection, and you want to check it out, uh, get online to www.gardennewmarket.ca. Okay, and one more. Next Saturday, the Harrison and District 10th Annual Garden Festival will be held from 8 o'clock in the morning until 2 in the afternoon at Mill Street Park in Harrison. A Day in the Park features a wide selection of annuals, perennials, hanging baskets, hostas, garden accents, and much more. There's a great raffle, there's food, and live entertainment, free admission. So next Saturday, the Harrison District uh, Garden Festival, all from 8 till 2 in the park. And I've got one more to add here. Tomorrow, uh, Sunday, May 29th, 1.30, the Great uh, Greater Toronto Bulb Society will be having a meeting at Cummer Park. Community Center, that's 6,000 Leslie Street, Toronto, Leslie and Cummer, basically. The speaker will be Martin Ojasti, and the topic, Dahlia's Tips on Growing and Enjoying. Hey, there'll also be a plant sale and auction, too. Hey, thanks, Frank. Well, You're I good. enjoyed that. I should get you yeah. to do that more often. Well, there you are. <laughs> and not only I'll, I'll be the sous chef, I'll be... Well, I'm working my way up. Yes, I can... Uh, you, I'm sous chef plus now. You called yourself a co-host a little while ago, well, but I did roundly slap you around. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. That's <laughs> true. I was I was actually getting ordering some more Sierra Soap. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Which we'll talk about a little bit later. That's here. right. For now, we should yes. probably go on oh, a little bit later and yeah. go to... Oh, oh, we have a... Yes, I'm getting the sign. From, <laughs> I thought I was landing a plane there. David is doing the old flag thing. Hey, hey, don't forget about me. Okay, let's put David Gaskin to work, our producer. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef, delighted to be with you. And, hey, delighted to welcome John from Oshawa to the line. Good morning, John. Yeah, good morning. Top of the morning to you. Oh, and the rest of the day to yourself. I say, say, <laughs> I say, I say. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I see, um, I get this uh, Jerry Baker. I don't know whether, uh, whether you've ever heard of him. Uh, Gary Baker? Jerry yeah. Baker? Jerry uh, he has a helpful hints uh, thing out. Anyway, what I'm phoning in regard to is uh, uh, about uh, getting a bumper crop from your tomatoes. Mm-hmm. He, re- he recommends Epsom salt. Yes. 
how much Epsom salt would you put in the would you put it in the in the hill before you plant it? No, what you do with Epsom salts, it's about a tablespoon per plant. Yeah. After they've been planted and been in the ground for at least two weeks. Okay. Just on the surface of the soil around the plant. Oh, okay. Okay. The reason um, Epsom salts are magnesium and sulfur. And both magnesium and sulfur are a recoil. Magnesium, particularly, is an absolute essential micronutrient required by all plants. But tomatoes seem to really love Epsom salt. So do roses. Oh, really? Yeah. Never heard this one before. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's Epsom salts are amazing. It's like one of those things, you know, cures a broken foot, just, you yeah. know, handles your stiff body and feeds your plants, washes the bathroom. And, All at the same time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Does everything. It <laughs> <laughs> makes your hair grow. I mean, it's Epsom salts is magical. So, yeah, it's it, it's been recommended for many years. It's, I've personally never used it, but I can tell you that I've seen lots of documentation on it. My dad, my dad used to take it for uh, constipation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No uh, kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a miracle, miracle item. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank hey. you very much. Thanks, John. A most entertaining call. Thank to you, get John. Us started here. And you know how? Actually, I should mention this if John is still still listening. There is something called the Epsom Salt Council of Canada, and they have no. a website. You can go to the Epsom Salt Council, and they will give you recipes for everything. Boy, they have organizations for everything, don't <laughs> exactly. they? Exactly. Huh? Well, let's say hi to Ross here, who's calling in from Ajax. Good morning, Ross. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my problem is a, a holly bush that I have. Mm-hmm. A China girl. Yeah. And I planted it maybe about 10 years ago. Right. And it's separated into about four branches now, one going east, the other one going west, <laughs> oh, one boy. going north, one going south. <laughs> uh-huh. Hollow. How do I prune it back so it gets to be like a bush again? Right. So, so and are you, the ones that are all traveling in these different directions are they kind of going horizontally al- along the ground and then up from there? No, they're more on about a forty-five degree angle. Okay. So what it is is just, and, and actually we like our plants to be open in the center. They typically are healthier when light and air can penetrate into a shrub because. Shrubs do tend to get quite dense in the center. And so, in a sense, what you've got going on there is a good thing, but it sounds like it's a little too much of a good thing. The best way to try and cause that plant to be more compact or more dense in its growth is to trim the tips. So prune each of those four compass needle points back even, you know, half an inch or an inch. And by doing that, you will force side branches from the main stems. And that will, and then of course, watch, give it a year or so, and then you'll, again, we'll prune perhaps some of those little side branches, always trying to foresee where the next growth is going to happen to make the right shape that you want the plant to be. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Um, Now, about the tomatoes, you were just talking about tomatoes. Yes. And... Earlier you were saying put bone meal down when you plant them? I like using bone meal when I plant, or a transplanter fertilizer, one or the other. Yeah, I heard a while ago, and I used it a couple of years, you know, for blossom end rot, is when you plant it, put a handful of uh, powdered milk in. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, well, calcium in there. Calcium, exactly. The, the argument for that, though, is that the calcium in the powdered milk is technically not available to the plant, just from a chemistry perspective. And the sugar that is present in the powder can attract all kinds of ants. 
Ah. So that's the one reason. Oh, yeah, something I really want. Exactly. That's one reason why you may want to not do that. Like squirrels. <laughs> yeah. And cats, dogs, everybody will be, you know, digging up your tomato because they can smell that ca- the, the powdered milk. Again, I haven't used it, I, I, but I have seen it recommended just to put the, the, you know, it's sort of one of those you can't go wrong things. But I hesitate to put any sugars into my garden. Okay. okay well, I'll throw some of that Epsom salts around. And- All righty. You'll good. find well, it's quite it, magical. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Ross. Thanks for calling the Garden you Show. Much. You bet. AM 740, Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show with Frank Proctor here as well. And I just want to say quickly uh, uh, what success I'm having with Sierra Sill. You know, remember, I, oh gosh, the past six months almost, I've had a lower back problem. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being as diligent as I should have been with Sierra Sill, taking the three pills every morning. Now I have been for, say, the past month. Mm-hmm. And man, the pain has almost completely disappeared. It's amazing. Well, and you know what it probably is? Some of that pain you're having was muscular pain. Yeah, yeah. But, but the Sierra Sill has taken away joint pain or alleviated joint yeah. pain, which is making you move more easily, which means you're then using your muscles that were all you know, stiffening and Whatever hurting. Whatever it's doing, it's working. And ultimately, I saw you, uh, you know, ballroom dancing not that long ago. <laughs> you're obviously very smooth, and you're getting, you know, getting your rhythm back. So oh. it's great. I'm so glad that, that the Sierra yeah. Cell is working. No. It works for most people, not everybody. But that's one of the... I call it joint 14. They give you, well, 14, two weeks. Well, 14 days, yep. most people will feel a difference. If you yeah. have any joint aches or pains, whether it's in your knees or your hands or your elbows or, you know, yeah. your, your spine, your hips, anywhere. Most people feel a difference, and if it, it, the money is guaranteed returned to you if you don't feel a difference. <clears throat> so for more information, give the Sierra Sill people a call. They'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, they're standing by to answer them. The phone number is one eight seven seven joint 14 You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, repeating the phone numbers, and I'll get to the mantra too, come to think of it, uh, 416-360-0740, the uh, Toronto line, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free, one 866 740 740. The mantra is call early, call often. One question per call. (laughs) You are good. You're good. Okay, so I take that back. I said you weren't the co-host, but I guess you're so good. We should... (laughs) You're going to bump me up the call? Almost give you uh, co-host billing. Almost. Wait till Moses Neimer gets the bill on this one. (laughs) (laughs) The sous chef and the undergartner and, you know, real good... Real good support. Thanks, Frank. Well, we have to get to the lines right now because Evelyn in Toronto is waiting to talk about blueberries. Hi. Good morning, Evelyn. Hello. Good morning. I love your program. You're both so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy you so much. My question today, several weeks ago, someone asked about um, tomato trees that they were selling on television. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that it's not the variety of tomato or or fruit that we know. Um, My question today was about blueberries, because they're doing the same thing with blueberries. They have blueberry bushes, and they're supposed to be, like, ever-blooming and... um, they're, they're very strange. They don't look like the blueberry that I've ever seen. Hmm. And ever and that was that on television that you saw that? It's on television, yeah. They sell you like three... They, actually, they're not selling the seeds. They're selling the actual plants. 
And I think it's from Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And and if you do send away for them, you'll get them, and they'll be about an inch tall when you get them in yeah, the mail. Yeah, they're well, little, yeah, tiny, they're tiny. Small, but the picture they show is when they're they're starting to bloom. But, I mean, the bush is just loaded with, uh, and it's so tall. Like, I've always thought bush, uh, <laughs> blueberries sort of grew, grew along the ground. I've always seen them along rocky areas and stuff. But well, that's the thing. I mean, there's wild blueberries and there's cultivated blueberries. Mm-hmm. The ones that are wild tend to grow low to the mm-hmm. ground, and they're mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, wind their way in amongst the rocks and mm-hmm. the very shallow soil. Oil that's very much pine needle based, very very uh, you know low pH mm-hmm. kind of soil. The cultivated blueberries are bigger. It's kind of like the cranberries, right? They're much bigger yeah, they, oh, plants. Oh yeah, they show a picture of them. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, big berries, big, yeah. and they're not very tasty. I don't think. I mean, the wild ones are way tastier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whatever they're selling, I'm not sure because sure, it I might be a blueberry. Yeah. The the main thing to realize is that if you're interested in growing blueberries, I would personally not rely on mail order for something like a, a blueberry <laughs> yeah. plant. I would yeah, right. go to my local, you know, good yeah. garden center. Yeah. Remember, blueberries, you need more than one plant because there's yeah. a cross-pollination that has to take place uh, between yeah. two different varieties. Yeah. So there's that. As well, they need very specific conditions. Like we were saying, yeah. that very low pH soil is absolutely required. But you don't know any other fruit that looks like a blueberry that could be? No, but I'm happy to look that up for you. And yeah, I'll, no, I'll re- want, I mean, report no, back I if I... I wonder what we're eating, I guess. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. you, I would be very... I yeah, I'd rather get real. And you know, real blueberries are beautiful plants. I mean, they're yeah. uh, they will. Could you grow them in on Ontario yes, garden? Yes, absolutely. If you can oh, organize your soil to be the right kind of pH, which is way yeah, down, you yeah, know, four yeah, and a half, five yeah, pH. Uh, but yeah, a bit of sun, bit of shade. And the cultivated ones grow up a little tall, uh, taller. That's think? right. Lots yeah. of peat moss in your soil, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, white flowers. Then oh. the berries, and then beautiful fall color. They turn the leaves yeah, all turn red yeah, in the fall. Yeah, they're in. Yeah. So they're great plants. They're very ornamental, but the conditions required are very specific. So you're going to give it a Maybe shot, are you? Like yeah. to do that. <laughs> Evelyn, are you going to try and grow them? No, uh, I live blue- in an apartment. No, I, oh, I was yeah. just curious oh, about what people are eating when they're advertising on television. Yeah. You know, is it safe to eat? Because, well, you said the tomatoes are not... Um, the kind of tomatoes we know, but they're still uh, they're edible. edible. They're yeah. not, not going to be poisoned. No, yet. not at all. So not they wouldn't be able to sell them. But no, it was no just problem. curious. Yep. Okay. okay. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Thank you, Evelyn. Both of you. Bye. 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 Now have a great day and enjoy the rain. <laughs> oh no, no, it's going to stop. It's yes, going to stop. It is. Sun's yes. coming out okay. this afternoon. So Evelyn brings up a good point: the yes. idea of edible, right? Growing mm. things to eat. Did you know that for a dollar twenty-nine package of tomato seeds, you can grow up to six hundred and fifty dollars worth of tomatoes? Shut the front door. <laughs> really? Really. Well, I'll uh, Okay. Now, I've got the director of marketing from Scotts Canada. Glenn Martin is going to join us in a minute, and he's going to talk to us just about that. The following segment is sponsored by today's featured guest on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> um, and we're back. back exactly. Yes. Good morning, Glenn. Are you there? Yes. Good morning. Welcome. Hi, Glenn. How are you? A little soggy, a little cold, but uh, no worse for wear. That's good. It's going to warm right up and go to 20-some-odd degrees this afternoon. Take off that long underwear. So, listen, you were telling me about a special special support that Scott has given to the local Mississauga Food Bank, uh, which is all about growing kits for tomatoes. Yeah, we have an exciting program that we kicked off uh, about two weeks ago, and... um, you know, we're a, we're a big supporter of the the food banks as, mm-hmm. as one of the charities that Scotts feels really uh, you know engaged with, obviously with uh, you know our our desire to to get people growing mm-hmm. uh, their own their own uh, their own food and and rather than just 
donate money. What we decided to do was develop a, you know, like you said, there's a very easy way to, to grow your own tomatoes. We, we, we came up with a kit, mm-hmm. um, 2,500 kits that we've given out at the, at the Mississauga Food Banks, which basically is a, a large growing pot, a bag of miracle Grow potting mix, uh, a, a tomato steak, uh, some miracle Grow plant food, and then tomato seeds. Mm-hmm. So we're encouraging, uh, you know, obviously people coming into the food banks getting, you know, packaged packaged foods, but be able to grow their own. Hey, that's uh, neat. Fresh tomatoes. Brilliant. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's just sort of a way to get them started, get people started growing. I mean, hopefully that'll give them the bug and they'll mm-hmm. expand, uh, you know, and grow more things. Well, and chances are they're very likely to be successful with the kind of kit you've put together because you've put the right components into the kit, right? Yeah, the, no, it's, it's key. I think you, you talk about the sort of the, the potential yield that you can get growing your own, and I think one of the, the key things that, that people need to, to recognize and, and really to um, sort of maximize, we have such a short growing season, is that sort of need to feed, particularly tomatoes. Tomatoes are very... Mm-hmm. Sort of nutrient hungry type plants mm-hmm. and hogs, uh, and you know if you do nothing, are you going to get anything? Yeah, more than likely. But if you really want to sort of you know increase that that yield and get get bigger, healthier vegetables, getting more vegetables, uh, you know, it really is key to start them off with with a good sort of dose of of a of a plant food and then feeding them regularly, you know, every two to three weeks uh, throughout the growing season. You know, people who, like myself, uh, my wife, die, uh, live in apartments, a lot of apartment buildings, as as is the case with ours, they have a little plot where you can, you know, mm-hmm. a little garden out there, and the residents can go out and, you know, work a little section. So that that's a darn good thing for uh, people to kind of get involved with. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's, you know, it, it, you know, it's a great example. I mean, our, our Grow for Good program, and which we talked about a couple weeks ago, is, is in full steam now where we've got... Um, three retirement homes throughout the, the GTA, one in Aurora, one in Markham, one in Mississauga, in which we have engaged the local high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they've gone and done is, is worked with those retirement communities, and they've uh, we've done the initial digs, so we've built gardens uh, in those communities, uh, you know, in ground and raised gardens. Mm-hmm. And over the next uh, two weeks or so, they're going back, and they're going to be doing all the planting and throughout the season, uh, going to be helping those those elderly people in those communities mm-hmm. uh, maintain those gardens. Uh, so it's a it's a real great it's, it's a phenomenal program in terms of connecting youth. Yeah, and, and sort of the the, the older generation. All the generations. Well, yeah, no, it's great. Whole new generations of, of gardeners sort of motivated and inspired to to go on and, and become gardeners themselves. No, I think it's a great program. Well, yeah. I'll tell you right now, my son, who is of that younger generation, is cursing you on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? It's all got to do with Turf Builder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I did fertilize my, my lawn back maybe a few weeks ago, a month ago, and I've had my son out there between every rainfall. He's mowing. <laughs> so, But every three days, get out there and mow that lawn. It's growing so fast with the rain and the fertilizer. It looks amazing. Amazing, but yeah. uh, that's that's an interesting thing too. That feeding and the rain. What's going on with the gardens? Well, it's and, and it's it's interesting. Your lawns right now probably have never looked better. Uh, well, exactly. And even without well, fertilizer, even without fertilizer. Yeah. But, but I think what, what what people have to sort of be aware of mm-hmm. and, and is that although it looks really nice on top, if you haven't fed, mm-hmm. it's it's all the stuff under the soil and and the root development and and. And the, the the health of those those plants um, that are being neglected if you haven't fed. So, 
you know, it, it, it's one thing that even now we're saying, even if you fed early in the spring, you know, if, you, if it's been six, seven, eight weeks, mm-hmm. even though the lawns look good, it's, it's probably worthwhile going back and doing a second feeding so that when we get to the, the stresses of summer and the drought and the insects, um, you've got really healthy turf that can withstand that. So mm-hmm. like I say, it, it, even though you know, people look at their lawns and go, why would I feed? It doesn't make sense. It really is sort of getting yourself ready for the times when, you know, the weather isn't going to be optimum, the moisture is not going to be optimum. Uh, that you you've got those those uh, those law, that lawn ready to uh, to be able to combat that, survive it, and make it through the season. Yeah, that root root system would be rather shallow then, uh, not really fully established or as established as you'd like. Well, yeah, that's, that that's the thing with so much moisture. I mean, ideally, you know, although it sometimes you know doesn't look that good on the on the top of the lawn, you know, a bit of drought really forces those grass plants to roots to, to go deep looking for moisture and and as a result you end up with a much uh, hardier uh you know mm-hmm. tougher lawn tougher plants yeah or, you know you know the lawn's been been quite lazy it's you know with such an ample supply of moisture so yeah. it you know those roots can stay near the surface and and be uh, be well uh, be well watered so when it does come to hot dry seasons um you know if you haven't fed yeah, you will see potentially more or damage to your lawn, uh, you know, if, if it's uh, if it's not ready for that those stresses. But you know, Glenn, you can even see it now. If people haven't fertilized this season, you can see how pale green, almost a yellow green, their lawns are versus yep. the fed lawns, which are you know Kelly green, bright bright green. Um, so that yeah, you bring up a good point. There's no question. The feeding is important for the health of the entire lawn, and with the some bad weather's going to come, right? Some serious yep. summer is going to hit us eventually. So what what uh, what product uh, with Scotts should we be recommending to put on the lawns now? What? Well, we, I mean, we you know we only have two fertilizers mm-hmm. you know, in terms of for regular feeding. So our regular turf builder is good all season long, um, and then come the fall we've got our, our winter care product. But the same fertilizer that you'd be putting on. You know, the beginning of the spring would be the same one, same turf builder you could be putting on now. Mm-hmm. And then there's the um, organic as well, the EcoSense. Yeah, we've got the the uh, the natural uh, EcoSense fertilizer, which uh, you know is is you're going to have to apply that a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas turf builder, you know, it's typically it's every eight weeks. Right. Um, a natural fertilizer, you know, typically it's more every four to five weeks, just because. There's there's less nutrients available within that product, and it's just a little bit slower for it to be able to be taken up by the by the by the by the grass. But both those fertilizers are full of slow release fertilizer. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so right. it, you know the 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 turf yeah. fill there. I mean, we, we've probably talked about it before, but yeah. the, the unique thing is that it's got all the nutrients in one particle, mm-hmm. and it actually it doesn't require water to break down. It breaks down with the micronutrients of the soil. Mm-hmm. So some fertilizers that you have to water in right away because otherwise it'll burn. Right. The turf builder will will break down over time and just release the right amount of nutrients over that sort of eight-week feeding period. Well, and that's the other thing not everybody realizes. With all the rain we've been getting, nitrogen is carried in water. So when it rains for weeks and weeks and weeks, whatever nitrogen you've put on your lawn is likely to have moved through the soil and out into the water table 
if it hasn't been absorbed by the plants. So that's where that secondary feeding comes in yep. to, to maintain levels of nutrient because it doesn't stay there. The fertilizer is either used or washed through. It doesn't doesn't just hang out and, and wait for optimal conditions. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so my garden as well. I mean, my garden, it's feeding time for the established plants in the garden. Um, vegetable gardens, obviously, we're using good soil when we're planting. That's super important. Uh, and then continuing to feed once they're a little bit established. Give them a couple of weeks and then get out the, either the miracle Grow or the specialized food for certain vegetables. Yeah, I mean, a great way to start, you know, as you're planting, to, you know, a couple of things you can do is, is especially with, with, you know, larger plants, using um, a quick start. So miracle Grow, mm-hmm. we have a quick start fertilizer, um, which uh, really helps establish uh, plants if they've been transplanted. Um, and 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 really give a quick boost to get those roots, uh, uh, you know, root systems developed very quickly. And I've the, been using your bone meal with all the transplanting I've been doing, and yeah, that same idea. Works. Yep. Um, shake and feed, which is a, mm-hmm. a slow release granular product, which will feed up to three months. So again, uh, typically what we rec- would recommend is, you know, as you're, you know, getting the the flower bed or vegetable bed ready, you, know, you put you put that slow-release fertilizer in when you initially plant, mm-hmm. and then you go back and feed, you know, every two or three weeks with a, with a liquid uh, mm. or water-soluble fertilizer to sort of give it that extra boost. Right. And, I mean, the difference, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, again, if you, do, if you did nothing and, and we have the season we're having, you'll get good results. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the difference when you, with a regular feeding program, you know, the size of the bloom, the amount of blooms. Uh, as the I said, quality the, of the, the, the vegetables, the, the, the flavor. The tomatoes or yep. size of vegetables. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to see the difference. And, and again, with our, our such a short growing period, you want to really maximize, you know, everything that you grow. You want as, sort of as much and as big as you can is, and in as short a period as possible. Absolutely, because that's what inspires us to get going for next year, right? Yep. <laughs> I want to particularly thank you, Glenn, for uh, coming up with a little phrase I'm going to use uh, describing the weather. Usually, you know, you, you announcers or, or people like myself, professional pronouncers, uh, you know, they they uh, you know, whine about the wet weather. But your little phrase, we've had an ample supply of moisture. I think <laughs> that really softens the blow somewhat. Yeah, the, 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 makes it sound uh, a little more positive. <laughs> Almost acceptable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're in a spa or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, Glenn. So great to hear from you. Yeah, I appreciate being on, and uh, good luck to everyone that, that's out there that's growing, and uh, remember to feed and enjoy the, the, the fruits of your labor. Exactly. Oh, Thank thanks, you. Glenn. We'll talk again soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today's guest in conversation is a proud sponsor of the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And it's Frank Proctor, the sous chef, welcoming Angie in Caledon, who's been waiting on the line ever so patiently. Hi, Angie. Good morning. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Morning, Angie. I have a um, lilac bush that bloomed beautifully last year, mm-hmm. and I very diligently cut off all the uh, spent flowers. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do anything this year. Maybe I've got five blooms on it only. Oh, you know what? That's just, if it bloomed a ton last year, we often see that happen where the plants, there's never consistency. It's either a lot or not so much. So when a plant has bloomed with a phenomenal number of blooms one season, then they have kind of spent so much energy creating all those blooms. We see there tends to be fewer the following year. And then next year there'll be more again. Okay. Right? 
So I just cut off the blooms. I don't trim the whole bush. If you need, if you feel that the bush is getting unwieldy or misshapen, or there's an unhealthy sort of growth happening where uh, stems are rubbing together and that sort of thing, then your absolute best time to do any trimming on a lilac is when it finishes blooming. Okay. So just like you said, remove the spent blooms before seeds are formed. Because energy goes into seeds and you're not starting a lilac nursery. You don't need the seeds. And so get rid of those. And then clean up whatever little bits of stem or, or growth that isn't looking like you want it. And then leave it alone till next year. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And don't forget to feed, right? Oh, I do need to feed lilac. Uh, feed all your garden plants in the spring. Okay. Every single, whether you're feeding with manure or miracle Grow, one way or the other, make sure you're feeding all your garden plants for okay. your best quality. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for being with us here on The Garden Show from AM740, as we say, hello to Charlotte. Uh, don't know where you're calling from, Charlotte. Where, where are you uh, located? Ajax. Ajax. Good morning. Hey, Ajax. Okay. Good morning to you both. Love your show. I get a great garden education every Saturday morning. Okay. Great. Thank you. Anyway, um, what happened uh, this past week is while out at the uh, nurseries picking up my annuals, I was drawn to the table that had jasmine. Because it was so fragrant and so beautiful. Oh, and couldn't help but walk away with one. Of course. I <laughs> know nothing about it. <laughs> Don't. Since, since I've taken it home, I have planted it into a pot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'm finding that the little white flowers are starting to turn brown and fall. And I'm wondering, like, when is the flowering season, and do they go dormant, and how do I care for it? Now, is this a jasmine that's growing? Is it on, a, like, a vine growing on a, a, a ring or a hoop or some kind of a structure? No, no, it's not. It's just uh, sitting there in the pot, but it's like a, they're woody. Mm-hmm. It's a woody thing, and... Um, you know, looks like a little shrub in a sense. And when you bought it, was it inside the store or outside the store? It was inside yeah. the store. Right. And they recommended that I should keep it in, as an inside plant. Right, because it's a tropical plant. Right. Okay. Right. So, and uh, it looks like it will be viney because it's um, there are shoots coming mm-hmm. out that are extending far beyond the other growth. Right. So and it will it will be have these long tendrils. So yes. you've you've given it a bigger pot. It sounds like yes, I have and a you, two inch larger pot. And you put some nice fresh potting soil into that bigger pot when you transplanted. Yes, and pebbles at the bottom. Perfect. So main thing now is keep it in a bright spot in your home. Right. That could be right in a window, though I wouldn't put it right in a south window because that's going to be a little too intense. No, if I'm it, in a west window, okay. so yep. what I have is I have it away from the window, mm-hmm. but where it's getting bright light. Perfect. Okay. And you will water it to the point where you'll keep it moist most of the time. You won't let it dry right out the way we let some of our green tropicals or okay. some of our succulents dry right out. The jasmine needs to be kept um, on, the, on the moist side, which is not soggy wet, but on the moist side. Right. So when you water and water goes into the tray below or the saucer below, just make sure the plant doesn't sit in water for longer than 10 or 15 minutes. Now, I don't have it sitting in a saucer because there is no hole in the pot. Oh, okay. That's why I put a lot of pebbles at the bottom. So that makes it tricky to know how how and when to water. Because when you water, of course, the water is staying within the confines of the big pot. The gravel at the bottom is the reservoir where the water is going to. Right. Um, What I would suggest you do is you get yourself a moisture meter, which is a little probe, and you use that to see, because on the surface of the soil, it might feel dry. But four inches down, it might be quite moist. Yeah. And then six inches down, you know, even a few inches lower, it might be real soggy. Right. But you won't know that without an ability to find out what 
what the moisture levels are like. That's why I always prefer pots with drainage. Okay, maybe I should just change it into one that has a saucer. Well, I, yeah, I would be inclined. Like, if you bought a beautiful pot that has yeah. no drainage, we can we usually call that like a cash pot or a, an over pot. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll, you know, just use a plain green nursery pot with holes in it and sit that inside that beautiful over pot or cash right. pot. Then when you water, the water goes out into the into your beautiful outer pot, but at least you can see what's going on there. You can see the water's going through. You can see it's still sitting there. You can dump it out if it sits there for too long. Okay, I'll change it then. So okay. I should then water it from the saucer, is that right? No, you'll water from the top. From the top, yep. okay. And, and, you know, water thoroughly so the water drains right out the drainage holes. That's the right. sort of the point. Okay. And then make sure that the plant doesn't sit in water. So you've got it in a bright spot. You're going to water every, might be every week, might be every five, four or five days. Kind of depends on the temperature in your home and how, right. how well drained the soil is. And then it's a fertilizing thing. You will fertilize every two weeks now right up until September. And you'll use a flowering plant fertilizer. You can use miracle Grow. You'll use whatever water-soluble fertilizer you wish to. It's the growing season. The plant is going to be shooting out stuff, you know, uh, stems and, and, and viney bits all over the place. You probably want to get a little trellis for it to grow on and keep it controlled. Otherwise, it's going to be growing all over your house. Okay. And then in the winter, um, you're, you're going to slow down your watering. You're going to stop fertilizing entirely. And you're going to anticipate it will start blooming around about March next year. Okay. But you'll be spritzing and um, misting through the fall and winter because these plants love humidity and our homes. Well. Okay. Yeah, our, our homes are never humid enough in the winter no. time for some of the the tropicals. And should I mist it now as well? Not as important because we're running pretty high ambient humidity anyway. Right. But okay. you can if you want to. You can always mist. Now, do these flowers because they're because they're falling? Mm-hmm. Do they uh, they don't last very long, Charlie? It's probably gone through a little bit of a shock just going, you know, the right. the, the garden center to your house to the transplanting. Yes. So that's probably why they're dropping a little sooner than you would wish for. But okay. they will never last forever. They're they're only there for yeah maybe a week, maybe two weeks. Right. So they flower then from March through to the to September. Yeah. Anytime. No, from March they're they're, they're like a early spring, late winter bloomers. Oh. Okay. Okay. So that's you're kind of catching them at the at the end of their bloom time. Okay. So it's March right now through to May probably. Yeah. Okay. And then that's it for the year. That's it. Yep. Then it's a okay. green plant. Well, okay. Thanks ever so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Charlotte. Thanks Thank for your you. call. Have a- this is the Garden Show from AM 740. Frank Proctor here, along with Charlie Dobbin, who is busy doing her exercises now. I'm doing getting them ready. Much more, yes. Uh, because I have, you know, I'm out in other people's gardens. I've got clients this afternoon. I'm consulting, and I've got to be ready to carry all my, my clipboards, etc. And uh, I took my Sierra Sill this morning, but, you know, because I, I get my knees get stiff when I sit down for too long. Yeah. So I just, this is me doing my, my calisthenics and my exercises to be pain-free for all the activities I've got planned for the next few days. And easy to get a hold of the folks at Sierra Sill. SierraSill.ca, so very simple website, or give them a call, one joint 14 There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues, brought to you by Scott's. I wish it were Johnny Mathis right now. Why? I'd break into... Gina, oh Gina, <laughs> she's calling in about gardenias. Hello, yeah. Gina. Welcome to the show. Yes. Good morning. Morning to both of you. I love your show. I have a gardenia that I 
plant it out. I, I usually in the spring I plant it outside, and it's doing really well. Mm-hmm. I bring it in the house in the fall, mm-hmm. and I do the same thing with my jasmine. Uh, I, I heard yeah. your last yeah. caller were just talking about the jasmine. It's a great idea to plant it outside on the ground and then bring it inside, and it blooms and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The only problem that I'm having with it now is that uh, it had a few buds when I had it inside. I brought it outside uh, for about a week now and dropped all the buds and uh, most of the leaves. Oh, my. And most of the leaves. So, well, okay, so when you brought it from the outside to the inside, did you provide it some shelter and shade before and then you slowly put it out into the garden or did you just go straight from inside out into the... I didn't plant it it outside yet. I still have it in the pot. Mm -hmm. So what I would do, like in the morning, I would bring it outside and Mm -hmm. at night I would bring it back inside because it gets a little bit uh, cold and I would bring it inside. Mm. So something happened along the way there. Now, we call it hardening off. It is stressful for plants to go from the low light of our homes to the intense outdoor light that happens outside. Even if it is a shady spot, it's still a lot brighter outside than it is inside. The nonstop rain, perhaps, has your gardenia been getting real soggy and it's just unhappy with the sogginess? No, no, no. See, I have an outdoor um, uh, veranda okay. that I put in. It's, it's got a cover. Right, so it hasn't been out in the rain. All rain. So you've been very gentle in your in your. Yeah. Introducing gentle, it to the real world, gentle. which is good. I mean, that is a, that's important. It's um, the buds dropping. I'm not that surprised about because it, gardenias, as soon as they feel a, the tiniest bit of stress, they will drop their buds. But mm-hmm. when you say a bunch of the leaves dropped as well, um, are there any the leaves that are left on? Are they on the tips? Are there little green still left on the tips? And it dropped its lower yeah, they're, leaves. They're still green. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are yellow, and uh, they're on the top. And it looks not like the stems, like they look bare and mm. empty. And I was wondering, should I trim it down? I would. And I would trim it down. Um, just make sure that you, there are still a few leaves on it after you've trimmed it so that photosynthesis can carry on and it will continue to grow. If Have you been fertilizing it with any regularity? Um, the thing is that I haven't fertilized it now for about a couple of months. Okay, I would. I would get a hold of, and it's actually specific fertilizer that gardenias, azaleas, rhododendrons love. It's a for acid-loving plants. Yes, um, I do have that. Yeah, so I would mix up some of that, with, which mm-hmm. usually a water-soluble. Mix that up in your watering can. Next time it's time to water, water with the fertilizer. And don't hesitate to do some trimming. It's a perfect time because the plants are you know, actively growing. It's that time of year where they're really starting to push out growth. Uh, and you will obviously need to get this gardenia into the light off the covered porch so, okay. so you know continue that process of uh, you know getting out into the real world don't be worried about buds dropping they will they will grow back the trick is mm-hmm. to, to trim it down and get some more leaves on it get it actively growing and then expect some more buds well, one more quick, a quick well, question um, uh, you know, uh, before oh. I brought it in outside there were uh, little bugs on the on the, the plant like little black parts that I, I sprayed it and they're still on one here, one there, not as many, but uh, do you think that could have been the problem? Might be, might, might be. If little black spots that are not insects are is just a little bit of a fungus disease. No, if, they look like eggs, like when you squish them, like, uh, oh. you know, they look like eggs. I don't know. Okay. All right, so there, there's, all right, so here's what you're going to have to do then. While you're doing this trimming and fertilizing and all that, look for those little little bumps, squish them if there's anything there to, to squish. Keep an eye, check daily for any of this uh, 
unexpected, you know, growth of, of bugs or eggs or any of that stuff. You may need to spray with a soapy solution, but if you're going to do that, obviously the plant has to go into the shade when you're doing that spraying, and then okay. you wash the soap off 15 minutes later, and you can go back out into the regular garden. But uh, but bottom line, you're right. The insects can definitely be stressful and cause defoliation as well. Okay, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thanks, Gina. All right. Thank <clears throat> you. And but by golly, she snuck in that extra question. Well, but it was all the same <laughs> it was thing. Related. Yeah, you're, you're she right. just hadn't warned me that there was bugs on the plant. So uh-huh. there you go. Uh-huh. All right. Now, where did that hour go? I don't know. Gone. Gone. <laughs> Into the ethers, as they say. <laughs> but you've well, got a busy day ahead of you? Yeah, yeah. I have, and we've got a new feature starting this morning on my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, about oh, 20 to the hour, uh, quarter to uh, each hour. It's Ask the Insurance Expert. Oh, good. And so if, if you know you, you've got a question about insurance, a lot of people wonder what the heck you know yeah. about this particular plan or that. Send the question, and mm-hmm. we'll get to the right folks, and they'll answer it for you. Very cool. But that that's starting uh, today on the show, and I have uh, some special guests and lots of great music, too. Of course, you always do. Well, naturally. All right. Charlie, well, have yourself a wonderful weekend, the remaining part of it. Yeah, I plan to. Once the sun comes out, I've got lots to do in my garden. Yeah. And you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for all your great uh, co-hosting and sous-chefing and well, under-gardening. Well, I enjoy doing this show. I really I do. I think you do. We've and got some great listeners out there, too. We have some amazing listeners. So thank you to all our listeners for your great questions. Keep them coming. Remember, we'll be back next week. Thanks, Dave. See everybody next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.